0: I recently had the privilege of interviewing Emily King, 28. Through her common ground of dance and the fact that she teaches at my high school, I decided to interview her to learn more about her experiences, but also her interdisciplinary pursuits of dance and English. Emily grew up in Thailand, far from when she lives today in California. She currently works as a dance and English teacher in the Bay Area. When asked why she's so passionate about English, Emily said, I'm really passionate about storytelling and reading other people's stories. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Light Talks with Emma and Nadia. I'm Emma and I'm here conducting an interview this morning with Emily King. I'm gonna be calling her Mrs. King because she is my high school teacher. Well, dance teacher, never (laughs) actually had her as a teacher. but. I guess let's just start and dive right in. Um, I'm going to start from the beginning and talk a little bit about your childhood. So I know you have a pretty unique background, not something you see in everyday life, Um, but I'd like to start off with saying where are your parents from?
1: My parents are from, my dad is from Michigan and my mom is from Pennsylvania, so they're both from Mm -hmm.
0: the north. And just for some background, where were you born and raised? So I was actually born in Connecticut, Mm -hmm. and then when
1: I was 18 months old, I moved to Thailand, and I grew up in Bangkok, Thailand from 18 months of age through till the end of fifth grade, and then sixth grade through senior year, I lived in Georgia. So it was like Connecticut for a hot minute. I don't remember anything about it. And then Thailand, and then I spent my high school and middle school career in Atlanta.
0: And do you know why your parents decided to raise you in Thailand? Like, wh- were they pursuing a job, or did they want a change of environment?
1: <laughs> so my dad actually worked for Kimberly Clark, and they needed him. They He does, like, the toilet paper and um, for Kimberly Clark, and they needed him to start to run a, a mill in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So my parents just had me, and they had gotten married, like, for—they would only been married five years— And they decided to do it. They were going to take the leap, and they moved to an international community in Thailand, and they loved it. They were really nervous about it, but they did it, and they loved it. So it was for my dad's job. Okay, good to know. I didn't know that. Um, And then, are you an only child? No, I'm not an only child. So I, um, it was just me and Thailand, and I really wanted a baby sister. Uh, I would tell them all the time, like, I would like a baby sister. Um, and every night I would go into their room and say, like, please pray for my baby sister. And I didn't realize that they were trying to have another kid, but they couldn't um, have another kid. so they ended up adopting my sister from Russia when I was six and she was two. So we're four
0: years apart. I have never heard that.
1: Yeah. So I have
0: a sister. She's
1: really great. She's in the same we went to the same school, the same sorority, and uh-huh. she's like
0: my best friend. So That's so great. Um yeah, definitely. Sibling bonds very important. <laughs> <laughs> um okay. So growing up in Thailand, what was that like? Do you remember much of it? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's all of
1: elementary school.
0: Yeah. Um it was really you know, you can't describe it. I
1: it was really cool to be able to travel so much and to have such an international community um growing up my best friends were from all over and that was just normal to me um my friend group was from wales australia japan and thailand and india and we just got to go to their houses and have all different types of food and learn about their culture, and then we'd go to, I was in the swim team, and we'd have swim meets, and go to Singapore for our swim meets, and Japan for our swim meets, Um, in fifth grade, like, I wasn't even that great of a swimmer, and they'd put me on a plane to swim, like, internationally, and so I got to travel a ton. I took all my Beanie Babies on the Great Wall of China um, with me, so I think by the time I was, like, five, I had been to 12 countries. I just was going around the world, and it was really nice that I was able to grow up surrounded by so many different types of people, Um, Mm -hmm. so I think that that was the main highlight, but it was just, it was great, it was always, you know, never got below 80 degrees, it was sunny and beautiful all the time, very tropical, we had a coconut tree in our backyard that we would have coconuts from and swim in our pool. It was just
0: very ideal, so. Has the weather impacted you today? Like, are you definitely more of a warm weather person? Um, Yes and
1: no. I think I do like the heat, but then I moved to Atlanta later and it was so humid. And that I didn't like, it was like so humid. It's like you're swimming mm-hmm. when you step outside. <laughs> so I like California, it's
0: very temperate.
1: That's yeah. why I liked
0: I wanted to live here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so growing up in Thailand, what languages did you speak? Did you speak English and something else, or?
1: So I spoke just English. Um, we lived in this international community. It's for um, mm. expats, where most people that lived there in the little bubble that we lived. So we lived in. We went to this really nice school called ISB. It's this, like famous, big, huge international school, um, and it was surrounded by this. Uh, community of people who had, who were international, so I, ISB taught in English, and um, most of my friends spoke English, like that was the language that we were speaking at school, and we had Thai classes, but it was like how you have a French class at school, Mm -hmm. um, where I wasn't really speaking Thai, and I knew a little bit, my dad was pretty fluent, and my mom was pretty fluent as well, but... um, I was not that fluent. They had a cartoon, like, comic book of Garfield in the back of my Thai class. And I would read it instead of learning because I was (laughs) squirrely. So (laughs) I regret that now. But, no, I don't really remember that much Thai.
0: Yeah, no. um, I was raised with a Vietnamese um, babysitter, and she only spoke Vietnamese. She didn't speak English. And as a kid, I could completely understand Vietnamese. I'd go to the salons and all these asian vietnamese woman at the salons would be so surprised that this so-called white kid could understand vietnamese but yeah i lost it now man you should have kept it up speaking of your garfield book so i know when i was in elementary i read every single recess i read all the time i practically read every book in the library were you similar to that because i know now you majored in english you're an english teacher did childhood experiences have an impact on that
1: yes i'm a literature lover um that's that was my main draw to english i also like writing um but really i love reading and i've always loved reading um i would make myself sick in the car reading (laughs) and i would do it all the time um I actually was on a soccer team, and my parents pulled me off the soccer team because I would bring a book with me,
0: and when I wasn't
1: playing, I would read on the sidelines because I wasn't playing, so I thought you could do that. But they're like, no, that's not team spirit. You can't just read during a game. Um, But I would read Junie B. Jones. She was my favorite. I loved the humor. Yeah, I read some of her. It was so good. The (laughs) jokes just landed, and even at a young age, like, I think that's why I like The Office. The jokes and the wit in this children's series were so good that I was just cracking up. And I would fold the pages and, like, underline. Like I would annotate as a young kid. Mm-hmm. I didn't know I was annotating. But I would circle, like, funny lines to read to my family later. I was like, this is hilarious. People are going to die when I tell them this. So, yeah, I've always really, really liked reading.
0: I read a lot. As a kid, I read a lot of fiction fantasy books. So, Ooh. I well, Nancy Drew doesn't fit in that category, really. But... I read a lot of Nancy Drew. I read like Geronimo Stilton, Land of Stories. I don't know if you know them, but yeah. yeah. Hi, did you read
1: the Boxcar Children?
0: Um, I think mm-hmm. I read a. I tried to read a couple, but Nancy Drew was definitely more of it. The mystery, me. yeah, I like yeah. that. <laughs> and I liked having a female lead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. And so obviously now, dance is a huge part of your life. Did you get exposure to dance in Thailand, or did that start later?
1: Yeah, so in Thailand, um, like I said, I went to this really big international community, international school, and so I had the ability to do, um, I had like myriad after-school options. So when I was a really little kid, I was in ballet and jazz Mm -hmm. after school, and then I also did soccer, girl guides, swim team. So Girl Guides was like our Girl Scouts. Okay. Um, so I would do just one after-school activity a week. And one of those was dance, and I really liked it. I remember that my first day of dance, I showed up and I, it was ballet class. And
0: how old were you?
1: I was four or five. Um, and I showed up and I had pink leotard and black tights. <laughs> and I was so humiliated that my mom had bought like the wrong outfit and everyone else had their little pink tights and black leotard. And I was so embarrassed that <laughs> I had the wrong outfit. And I was in jazz and ballet, and I really liked jazz. Like, I felt mm. so cool, like, so awesome. And, um, and then I was in ballet, and I was kind of just doing ballet because my mom was like, everyone does ballet if you're a dancer. You have to do ballet. I don't know if she just thought it was cute, but it wasn't really for me, but I was like, whatever, I'll, I'll be in ballet.
0: Yeah, no, my studio, that just happened to be where I was, only basically specifies in ballet. And so I didn't get exposure to jazz. The only exposure I've gotten is basically through you. And we don't do jazz that much. So, yeah, definitely more of a ballet person, even though it's not my favorite form.
1: Yeah, that same thing happened to me. Okay, so what happened to me is that I was doing ballet and doing jazz and doing all these other after-school activities. Like, in fifth grade, I would do a bunch. And then I don't know if it's just... I haven't figured out if it's like just an elementary school thing or just like a thing when you get like a thing in america but i realized when i came to sixth grade like when i moved to the states that everyone kind of has one activity that they do like Mm. you just pick one thing you don't do multiple things um so my mom we were a part of this church and the church that we were a part of had this, like, professional, pre-professional ballet studio. Mm-hmm. Like, it was really, really nice. I don't know how, but it it does. Um, it's called Perimeter Academy of the Arts. And my mom was like, oh, we should put you in here because you love to dance. And I remember being like, oh, I don't, but I really don't want to do ballet. Like, do we have jazz? And she's like, no, I don't know if there's a jazz studio around. But just do ballet, and then we'll see down the line. And mm-hmm. then so I took <laughs> ballet... And I made all these friends, like, my best friends who are still my best friends. But I kind of got suckered in. So I went, like, I started doing ballet because I was like, oh, I was doing this in fifth grade, I'll do it in sixth grade. And then it just snowballed, you know, to being in a pre-professional ballet company.
0: (laughs) Was the transition to America hard for you?
1: Yes, it was pretty hard. So in, just like when I was moving to Thailand, um, I was really excited to move to Thailand when I was moving back to America. I was really excited to move back to America. And my friends were like, Oh, you are gonna need so much American candy. That was like a big thing because you <laughs> couldn't get American candy. So they're like, you're going to have so many nerds ropes when you get there. And I was like, yeah. Um, but then when I moved, there were some things that growing up that I didn't learn about America, obviously, because I was in Thailand. Mm-hmm. So, um, like I didn't realize that winter kept going after christmas i thought that winter (laughs) ended at christmas so then i remember having a quiz and i said something about oh spring and january and they're like what are you talking about Mm -hmm. and i was like well it's just because it was hot all year round there wasn't a differentiation of seasons um so that was weird i couldn't like i didn't know the currency so luckily Mm -hmm. the u.s coins are labeled like they'll (laughs) say like dime. so i'd have to like read the coins um And I got a job in high school as a cashier, and I remember still being (laughs) like stressed out because I would. They're like, "Can I have like five nickels?" And I'd be like, "Uh." (laughs) i Like have to like read them like nickels. Um, So there were some things that I was a little bit behind on education-wise, and then I remember calling my friend. This it was really weird when I moved to I went to from going to this international school to going to a really small private school. Um, private Christian school in the South, in Atlanta, and I remember calling my friends, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's just like American TV. <laughs> they're all blonde, and they're all white, and they all look the same." Yeah. And we had uniforms, like very strict uniforms. Mm-hmm. So I went from seeing like very different types of people to me, everyone looked the same. Like they all looked like the same white girl, um, but they were a little bit different heights. But yeah. and obviously they weren't all the same. Like everyone's unique, and I learned that. Um, but it was kind. Of, it was really jarring for me, and I was also a white girl. But it it was jarring for me because I went from so many differences to so much similarity that it surprised me. I think, and it was harder for me to adjust in that way. Um, yeah. Did that make you want to fit in? Uh, yes and no. At first, I really fought to stand out. So <laughs> we had these skirts that they made us wear, and. <clears throat> you're supposed to get them hemmed. So they come really long and then you're supposed to get them hemmed for your length. But I didn't know that and my mom didn't know that. And people would tease me, but I was like very stuck to my guns. Like I was like, well, I'm not gonna hem my skirt because that's inappropriate. So everyone else's skirts were like cute and like normal length. And then mine was like below my knees. So the first year, like, I was kind of stubborn in adjusting. I was like, I don't know. I don't know about all these, like, blonde girls. Like, they're all cheerleaders, and they're wearing skimpy skirts. And then I kind of adjusted by seventh grade. Like, by seventh grade, I was kind of absorbed into the, you know, Mm -hmm. American culture. And then I became
0: a normal kid, so. (laughs) Yeah, so now working at a private school that uses uniforms, are you ever, like, reminded of middle school?
1: No, definitely this reminds me more of my international experience because there's so much diversity on campus. I love that this, one of the reasons I was drawn to this campus is because um, there's no majority um, population of race, which I really, really like. That's one of the reasons I wanted to come here because it so celebrates diversity. Um, And then also because it's lenient. In the uniforms, like my first school was. So at ISB we had uniforms, but you could wear whatever shoes you wanted. You could wear whatever socks you wanted. Mm -hmm. You could wear a belt, or um, and so I do like that. But in middle school and high school, our uniform, like I would get a detention if my shirt wasn't tucked in, Um, and we had to wear the same like black pad leather shoes. So this definitely environment reminds me more of Thailand for sure versus my (laughs) small private (laughs) Christian school. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so, going back to the transition from Thailand to America, do you think, like, your parents made the good decision to raise you in Thailand and then move you in middle school here? Because, you know, a lot of times, high school and middle schools it's a scary place. Like, even for me growing up in the same city with the same people, going to middle school was scary, even though I loved it. But how is that for you?
1: Um, I think that they made... I think they made a great choice because I really, like, I would not give um, being raised in Thailand for anything. It was um, so awesome. I still had friends from Thailand come to my wedding, like, from Thailand, um, which is really cool. And then, like, my friend from Australia moved back to Australia, but she came to Thailand for my wedding. Um, So, in that aspect, it was really great to live there. But then I also am glad that I was raised in the U.S. because I am an American citizen and because I liked where I ended up at school. Um, And I think that going through that transition, you're already awkward in middle school. So I'm glad I didn't have to go through that transition from Thailand to America as like an 18 year old going to college, because I think that, you know, If you can't, if you don't know what a nickel is when you're in sixth grade, it's like, oh, that girl's a little slow. If you don't Mm -hmm. know what a nickel is when you're, like, 18, you're like, wow, that girl has problems. Yeah. So I think that going through the transition when everyone's already feeling awkward and going through a life transition Mm -hmm. was, like, the perfect time to move me.
0: That's good. Yeah, no, in AP Psych, we're talking about how environment shapes you and how critical it is to your development as an adult. And, I mean, I like my environment and just – seeing you over the past four years, you're a wonderful person, and so, you know, clearly your parents did the right thing. (laughs) Um, As a high schooler, did you know what you wanted to do in the future, or was that just something you figured out along the way?
1: Um, So, yes and no. I've always known, like, I've always known that I want, I love English and I love dance. Um, So, I've always, I've loved my being in studio, I choreographed my school's first musical, I um, was in, you know, my school's first musical, singing and dancing, so I loved performing um, so much, I loved going to shows, so that's always, I've known that I love that, and I've always loved English, too, Um, I've loved reading, I was writing, I wrote my mom, or my grandma a book for her birthday, it was terrible, Mm -hmm. I reread it, Um, (laughs) but I wrote her a book for her birthday when I was in um, high school, I would write poems all the time, just for fun, and When I was a junior, I had a free block, and I could take a free block, but instead I took AP, Lang, and Honors English 3 at the same time, just like, for kicks. Cause I was like, I could learn from two teachers about English at the same time. So I've always known what my passions are. And I kind of always knew it never occurred to me, like I wanted to be a doctor or maybe I would go yeah. into HR or business. Like that didn't even, it, it didn't even cross my mind. I knew yeah. I wanted to do something in the arts yep. um, and to be creative. I didn't know what I did really like my teachers. Um, and I started to kind of realize that in college, but In high school, no. I just knew what my passions were. And my parents, my dad is an engineer, and my mom studies psychology. But they never once, it it was like it wasn't even an option of picking a more logical or Mm -hmm. career. Like, they would just come to all my shows, and they're like, oh, Emily's artistic. Like, she's creative. She's a performer. And they've just always been supportive. So I just kind of always knew I would do something
0: in my passions, so it was never a question. <laughs> That's good. Um, in English in high school, what type of books did you read? Because I don't know, because you were in a different time. I'm at a different school. That's a good question.
1: Um, we read a lot of the classics. Our so one of my favorite teachers. He was this big Bostonian man. Um, he would all refer to us by our last names. So he'd be he'd call me Miss Bad instead of Miss Baby. <laughs> so he'd be like Miss Bad. Um, and he was, like, very intense, but he would have us read all these, like, World War II war books, um, so we read a book called The Kane Mutiny, which I really liked, (laughs) um, and we read, uh, what was the other one, about this guy at sea, like, it was a lot of, like, men at sea, the books weren't great, but I just liked reading them, and I liked that I was naturally, like, I would read these books, and then I would score well, so I was like, yay, (laughs) so I liked annotating, um, I really liked our reading tests, so we would have, like, reading quizzes, and I would be like, ah, yes, quiz. Um, Yeah, as far as the actual books in high school that we would read, I don't think any of them were that compelling.
0: Okay. So I'd read my own books on the side. So then compared to now, like, let's say, what's your favorite genre now? Like, how would that compare to you as a kid?
1: Oh, um, I think that I've definitely... Well, my favorite genre now is, like, murder mystery. Agatha Christie is my favorite author of all time. I'm obsessed with Agatha Christie. Um, I really like the murder mystery genre, and she perfected that. I could go on and on about Agatha Christie. But she's actually the top. Um, She sold more works than, like, she sold as many works as Shakespeare and the Bible. Like, they're all the same. She's such a good writer. Um, So I definitely like that genre more. I don't know if I liked mystery as a kid as much, but as an adult. I'm definitely into the mystery genre. Okay. But I did read Nancy Drew. Maybe that was yeah. some of it. <laughs>
0: yeah, I definitely read a lot of Nancy Drew. Um, so I'm going to sort of move a little off topic to dance yeah. throughout middle school and high school because I know that's such a big part of your life. Um, let's talk a little bit about what your studio environment was like because I think dance is a very – I don't know how to say it, but it can either be wrong or right, like your environment yeah and yeah so let's talk about so, yours.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my environment, so I came in, and you know, I was doing all these sports, and I've always been like loud a performer um my studio environment was very strict. We had to have our hair in a bun with a hairnet um tights we couldn't have a run in our tights, we had to wear a black leotard. We could wear a maroon leotard on Thursdays, but other than that, it had to be black. And we do the same warm up, which, you know, that's it's pretty normal. Um, and, but it's just very strict. We went to a very strict studio. We'd get water on our water breaks. Um, if we were sick, we'd sit out and s- still watch. Um, sometimes it, it was too strict, I think, in some ways. Um, but it was, it was very strict. It wasn't, I was going there because all my best friends were there. Yeah. And I liked performing. I loved the shows. I loved performing. And it was, the relationship that I had with the girls in my studio, like, they are still, like, my sisters, like, they're my family. Um, mm-hmm. So, we just are very close. So, I loved going to ballet because I could see all my friends. <laughs> um, yeah. But it was really strict.
0: Yeah, no, my experience is pretty similar. I... I've gone to only two studios, like, my entire life, and the second studio was only for, like, a month or two months, and it was also very ballet-oriented. So, basically, I haven't really gone to a studio that is, that emphasizes contemporary, and so I don't know, like, how lenient or how strict my studio is, really, but definitely seems a lot, very similar to you and your experiences, but, like, I loved it, and I still do, but every time I went into the studio it was a way for me to escape like everything going on outside and I absolutely love the people there I can totally see them being like my lifelong best friends like forever so I'm really hoping college doesn't like break that but (laughs) yeah definitely pros and cons with my studio environment but I'd say like overall the experience that I've learned and the friends I've gained huge pros yeah. Yeah. Um, what was your dance schedule like? So, mine, I dance right now 14 hours a week, but that includes school dance. So, at the studio, it's probably like, what, 11 or 12? Um, yeah,
1: that sounds the same, um, similar. So, we had two hours, our rehearsals were two hours um, on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, and then every Saturday from 10 till 3. So six hours during the week and then 10 till three on Saturdays.
0: Did you ever feel like you got robbed of your weekend? Because yeah. for me, every Saturday I drive up to a different city to practice and that's from like 1 to 4.15 and so it's like basically my whole day of Saturday is gone, I feel like. And so I basically only have one weekend, one day weekend.
1: yeah. I I agree. I Uh, I think that... I thought it was normal. Um, Like, so... All my best friends were at my studio. So it was kind of like I got to hang out with my friends. And then I had a boyfriend in high school. So Mm we would just hang out after that. So it didn't really occur to me that my weekends were being robbed until I couldn't do certain things. Like, when I started auditioning for college and I would get in trouble for skipping. um, Then I'd be like, well, I have to audition for college. Um... So, but then, actually, so, I went, and I was doing all Saturdays, and then, in college, I did my musical theater program, which we 'll talk about, but i was i 'd have Sunday rehearsals for four hours, three hours, so i I think it 's bled into my adult life where I have to my husband actually gets frustrated at me because I schedule things every weekend, so i 'm like, our friends will come over, and then when they leave, we 're going to go to see a movie, and then when they leave, we 're having dinner with another set of friends, and he gets frustrated because I still get overwhelmed. But it's like in my mind, you have to have a busy weekend. You can't just mm. sit around on a weekend. That's not what they're for.
0: Yeah.
1: So yeah, I think <laughs> I think that it did, it was frustrating. And my schedule in that time of doing, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, it was all ballet. Um, mm-hmm. Same. Just ballet. We do on Thursdays when I was a junior and senior, we'd have. We'd have point classes throughout, but then Thursdays we also had partnering classes. So we'd get professional um, male ballerinas from Atlanta Ballet to come partner with us. And that was really cool, but it was still ballet. The only time it wasn't ballet was on Saturdays from 10 till 11, 11 or 11.30, we would have contemporary warm-ups sometimes. It was a huge deal. Mm-hmm. We'd do modern or contemporary. I don't think we'd ever do jazz. And then we'd have our lunch, and then we'd do our rehearsal
0: i'm gonna try to speed this up because we still have a little bit to go and not too much time okay but uh did you have any like particular setbacks within dance that you just that was particularly challenging for you for example mine would be like anatomy like just biologically my feet don't fit the ideal um structure for like an exquisite arch and so that like they held me back a grade and that hurt a lot because they didn't think I was ready to go on point. And here I am. So, I don't know. It's it still hurts, but I'm like proud that I overcame it.
1: Yeah. Um I definitely <laughs> yes. Um so I've just I've never been flexible. That's like the number one thing I've never been flexible. Even when I would go to rehearsals and then I would go home and I would just like do a wall stretch for 20 minutes to like an hour every after rehearsal every day. I would still never have the splits. Like, I still don't have the splits. I think the only time I've ever had my full splits was um, in senior year for, like, two weeks. Um, Mm -hmm. But I always joke that my 6 o'clock panche looks like it's like I'm doing an arabesque. Like, I cannot – I'm just not flexible. And I think that that definitely held me back um, anatomy-wise, like you said. And because of that, I – Because I had this big personality, but I was never flexible. I was always, I was never the lead. I was always the um, cast in the side roles. So we do Cinderella, and I was the stepsister, Mm -hmm. Um, and which I loved. I was a ham, and I loved it. It was like my favorite role. We do Capella, and I was the littlest friend. Um, We do the Nutcracker, and I was the uh, like doll. So I think that um, that did hurt, uh, especially as I got older, and my friends would get to be these lead roles, and I would never be the lead roles. Um, and it was frustrating to me because I just didn't, you know, my lines just didn't look like theirs and I never felt like uh, I was never one of the top, the the best. And that was okay, Mm -hmm. but it did hurt, um, not being cast in the lead roles.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely feel the same as you, but it's like, you know, (laughs) it is what it is. Um, okay. So let's move on to your college. Yeah. So, you received a B.A. in musical theater from Auburn University and an M.A. in English from Loyola Marymount University. What was your whole process like? Yeah, so
1: I actually received a B.F.A. BFA. Yeah, Well,
0: the website says B.A.
1: So, there's two. So, a B.A. in Auburn um, is like your theater degree you can't get. Mm -hmm. A B.F.A. is an audition degree. So, I decided I wanted to audition for their specialized program. And if you're in a B.F.A., it's like a specialized program where you get... um, It's a specialized musical theater program that's a special track you're on. Mm -hmm. And you're in, like, a small cohort of, I think there's six of us. Um, um, I know them all all very well, but I can't do the math right now. I think there are six of us, and we'd move through this program together. And it required that we'd be in a show. Every time we auditioned, we had to accept roles. Like, there was a certain requirement. We had to audition to get in, and we had to audition to stay in. So, But I wanted to do it. I wanted to do musical theater because I wanted to keep doing dance. I loved acting, And even though we had only ever done one musical at my high school, um, I really loved singing, I loved acting, and I loved dancing. And I was like, I bet I could do this as a major. So I started auditioning places. And it was really hard, but it was really interesting because I had been at this really strict ballet school where, just like I said, I wasn't the best. Mm
0: -hmm. Then
1: I started auditioning for musical theater. And I hadn't really, I was a good singer, but I had never had super singing training. I had just been in our small school plays, but I'd go into these auditions, and I'd sing my song. I was really nervous about singing. I'd do my acting, and then we'd have these dance calls for these dance auditions. Yeah. And I would always stand in the front, and I'll never forget, I was standing in one audition, and we learned the ballet variation, and I was like, okay, this is pretty easy. And one girl was behind me, and she's like, oh, let the ballerina go in front. And I looked around, and I was like, there's a ballerina here? <laughs> And they're talking about me. And I was like, oh, like, for some reason, I was comparing myself to these, like, top yeah. ballet dancers. But then when I got into these auditions for musical theater, I was the top dancer. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Um, it's pretty nice to be, like, always in the front and be like, wow. It's like I had been running a marathon, and then I got put on, like, a speed walking, And I was like, wow, I'm really good at speed walking." <laughs> so yeah. it was really fun. Um, and then I got into Auburn – University's BSA program, and I really liked it. It was close to my parents, two hours away, mm. and I joined a sorority. Which joining a sorority is a whole other conversation. <laughs> it's, like, it's really hard and very stressful. <laughs> but I joined a sorority, I got into the program, I stayed in the program, and then my parents moved to Canada two years later. So it didn't really matter that I was close to them because they moved. Mm.
0: But <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so at Auburn, were you dual enrolled, like double majored with English, or did you only pursue English at Loyola? So
1: I was creative writing minor. Okay. And then I would have also minored in dance. I was in all the dance. I took um, most of the dance classes, and I was in all the dance shows. Um, and I would do. I would travel to conferences with the dance minors. But for some reason at Auburn, they said you couldn't minor in your major, and dance was too close related to musical theater. So I couldn't technically receive a minor in it.
0: Mm.
1: So based on, like, class load, I could have done a minor in dance for the amount I was doing, but I didn't get the minor because they wouldn't allow it. So I did a creative writing minor and then a musical theater major.
0: So then throughout this process of college, did you find ways to, like, combine dance and English in, like, an interdisciplinary pursuit or activity or anything? um or were they always just sort of separate for you they were always just kind of
1: separate i i just liked writing and i do yeah i would just like get to do all it was i think it was they melded together in the way that they were both creative so i'd get to do um you know choreography and then learn musical numbers and then i get to go and write um Mm -hmm. write poems write short stories and read really cool stories and that was really fun for me so my whole four years was just about being creative, like almost overload of creativity.
0: And so now I know when you choreograph on your students, sometimes we do dances to spoken word yeah, um, poems. Is that sort of, you think, influenced by your major?
1: I think so. I think that um, I did this one dance. We did this one show at Auburn, and we danced to spoken word pieces. And one girl danced, she wrote a story about spraining her ankle or something or breaking her leg. And then she danced to her voiceover of her speaking. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is so powerful. This is so cool. So I definitely think my love of spoken word has bled into my choreography a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean I think you know about my initiative with Robbie's Hope where I composed my own music on the piano. I did a voiceover of the things I believed in. And then I choreographed a dance and I put them all together. And I think it's pretty good. Yeah. It's so cool. I wanna see it. I haven't seen it yet. I wanna oh. see it. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely I really enjoy combining different passions of yeah. mine. Like I don't think I can have them separate separated. I just like really I just like having the whole roundedness of just combining everything together. Yeah. <laughs> um okay, yes. And I'm gonna move on to your relationship with your husband very briefly um you guys recently got married yeah let's talk maybe where'd you guys meet and like how long you've been dating for
1: um we met at LMU in my English program so I uh, it's like a whole story but (laughs) we met in my English program um we were just friends at first and then we kind of started to get feelings for each other but he was he's very very studious he's like hyper intelligent very studious Mm -hmm. Um, but he was always like the life of the party. He was like the teacher's pet, sitting in front, talking the most. Um, so I was really drawn to him. And then I found out that he didn't want a girlfriend until he was 30. He told me he didn't want a girlfriend until he was 30. He wanted to get a PhD. He was very serious about that. And that kind of was like, oh, I'm really into this guy. And so I remember calling my mom and I was like, I'm going to marry this guy. And she's like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> and I was like, no, I think I am. And I was right. How long um, were you guys dating? We dated for, I think, a year and a half. And then he proposed to me at LMU. It's actually really sweet. He proposed to me at LMU looking over the whole city of Los Angeles. And we had been dating for 574 days. <laughs> so he wrote 574 handwritten love notes about why one, each one said why he loved me, different reason he loved me. And then he strung them up with string lights. And the last one said, because you're going to be my wife. And then you proposed.
0: Yep. It's really cool. <laughs> did you did he make you open each one? Before? No.
1: I actually walked directly to the one accidentally that said she you're mm-hmm. gonna be my wife and I was like, This is so sweet. So I didn't really get a chance to read them all right.
0: <laughs> but then I read them later. Yeah. So And I'm sure you'll keep them forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna move for towards your current life. Um going back to your childhood. And just overall, your entire life experience, if you had to choose one place to live now, where would it be? Ooh,
1: I think here. I hate to say it, but I think that I... So, California. Yeah. Well, just here. I'm, this is like my dream job, my g- dream life. Um, all of my experiences have led me to just being in the perfect place. I love the Bay Area. I love California. I love my job. The <laughs> weather's great. I have great friends. We just bought a little um, condo here. I think this is it. Like, maybe, I don't know, maybe there's something else that I'll find later. I never used to think I'd live in California. So maybe one day I'll be living in Colorado or Hawaii or Japan. But for now,
0: I really like it here. That's so It's so good to hear someone say that they're, like, genuinely happy with their life right now because I feel like that's pretty rare to find. <laughs> so, yeah. And I definitely feel like your happiness, like, influences other people. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so moving on towards a very serious question. Oh. I have to ask you dogs or cats? Because I know you have, what, two dogs? Yes. Yeah, do you want to expand on? I know they're a big part of your life. They are a big part of my life. Yeah. So I have two dachshunds. I'm obsessed
1: with them. I got one when I was single, and then my husband and I got one in quarantine. <laughs> um I started making TikToks of them, and we actually have a TikTok. We have. Uh, It's we, it's just me. But I have 35,000 followers now on TikTok. Yeah, it's really great. It's two dogs and kings. And I just make TikToks of my dogs. I'm kind of scared of cats. Like, I don't really understand them. Every cat owner I've met is like, no, you love my cats. They just scratch me all the time and never hang out with me. I'm like, oh, that sounds like an abusive relationship. I'm not into that. So I'm not a cat person, a little scared of them. But I have friends who like cats, so... They're not that bad, I don't think. But yeah, I, if I think if a giant like, German Shepherd was running at me and a cat was running at me,
0: I'd be far more scared of the cat. <laughs> um, I don't, I, in elementary, I would write essays to my parents begging me for a dog. Aww. Like I literally write so many essays. And then I think it was sixth grade, they finally said, okay. And then they're like, you have to promise to walk your dog and i have like never walked (laughs) but but like the family loves him and he's such a big part of my life i literally don't know how i'm gonna deal with it when he like passes yeah it's gonna be so tough and i feel like that might deter me from wanting a future pet just not wanting to go through that again but
1: yeah i think that'll be really hard yeah. Oh, I can't even think about it. Sometimes I tear up. and My, do- yeah, my husband's no, like, um, our dog is five.
0: Like, oh. Dark sons live until they're like 18. So I think mm. I have a way to go. But Yeah, no, buddy's like eight and they live till like 14. So they still have a while to go. But like, we didn't adopt him as a little puppy. So we just, we only had him mm. for like five years or something now. So, okay. <laughs> Matt, moving towards a much happier subject. Um,. Uh, your current job, You're like you mentioned before, you're a teacher at a high school, an all-girls high school, and I'd like to ask you, what's your favorite part of your job? Ooh, um, oh,
1: wow, that's a tie. I think I really, well, not really a tie. The main thing is I love the students. I love that at my job, I get to come to work and then hang out with such cool people, mm-hmm. um, whether it's in English class or it's in dance class. It's my homeroom, the yeah. kids are so nice and it's so awesome to be able to see these young people grow up. Um, and help them with what they're passionate about, and help um, inspire their passions, and then also to be able to choreograph with them is so cool that I get to just go and be in a dance studio and choreograph with my students, and then have a show. It's like the coolest thing in the world. I have the coolest
0: job ever. Well, yeah. Okay. So I remember you saying earlier that you choreographed for like what was it? Your middle school's musical mm-hmm. theater, my high or school's musical, high school musical. Cool. <laughs> um, so for me, I don't have much choreography experience, and. I find that it takes me a while to come up with steps and just overall, like, the big picture, how I want things to be. So has that ever been
1: hard for you? Um. Okay, so I literally, <laughs> I choreographed my high school's musical.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then other than that, I had never choreographed anything. I choreographed dances for fun sometimes, like hip-hop dances. But no, I had never choreographed anything. So then I got this job,
0: mm-hmm. and I, I don't <laughs> know what
1: happened. It's like... I just did it like I was like oh okay and then I just did it and now I just and I have this fear that one day I won't be able to choreograph anything anymore
0: no.
1: um I was like maybe I'll like run it's like a superpower that I didn't know I had that I just like had to do when I got this job
0: and yeah I just I it just happens and so now you're producing two shows every school year with a huge audience and so many student performers
1: yeah it's pretty crazy a lot. um it's pretty crazy to me that, it's like, I'll sit and I'll watch these shows, and I'm like, this is an hour and a half of choreography that I just made up. Like, I just was in my kitchen, and I just made this up while I was making eggs, mm-hmm. and now they're all performing it, and <laughs> 500 people have seen it. Like, it's
0: really wild. Yeah. Um, I think. It's really exciting. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, okay, let's move back to you as a teacher. Um if you had to say something to your students to like inspire them or to get them more engaged, what would you say or like a piece of advice? I would say to never stop
1: doing what you're passionate about. I know that sounds silly, but just like it kind of never occurred to me that I couldn't do dance and theater um, and English. I just loved doing those things, and so I did them. And I think that to keep doing what you're passionate about and to believe that you can do it. Like, I had never... I'd been in one musical in high school, and then I got accepted into a BFA program for musical theater. I had a creative writing minor in English, and I got accepted into a master's program in English. I had never choreographed a show, and then I got accepted to be a choreographer. Mm -hmm. So I think that if you go for things that you want and... Put yourself out there and trust like your passions and your diligence will align with the career. Like things will happen.
0: Yeah. That's a wonderful piece of advice, <laughs> despite like maybe how cliche it sounds. I definitely believe you mean every word of it. Yeah. <laughs> um one sort of last thing is a pretty it's okay, okay. <laughs> Uh, what's a particular hardship that you're proud of overcoming? So this could be through your academic life, personal life, dance. A hardship I'm proud of overcoming. I think that
1: there's two things. There's two things, okay? And they kind of go hand in hand. So first I'm going to tell you a story. The story okay. is that And I do have, um, I am a Christian, so I have, like, faith. um, And that kind of plays into the story. But one day I had a bottle of um, wine, and I was sitting with my dog, and I had this bottle of wine that I was just moving from one cabinet to another. And something happened, and the wine, it was this white wine, and it broke. And it fell on the floor that I was standing on, and the floor was Mm -hmm. concrete. So this bottle of wine I'm holding falls on the floor, and all of a sudden it's like, the air perfumes with this gorgeous yeah. smell and my dog sees it and he comes running over it. he's like, Oh my gosh, it smells so good. <laughs> but, um, I was sitting over him and he's really small. He was low to the ground. And what he couldn't see was that there was all this glass yep. on the floor. Um, and so I'm like, no, and I'm yelling at him. I'm like, no, no. And I'm yelling at him to like, stay back. And he's looking at me and he's so, I could see that he's like confused and angry. He's like, it smells so good. And there's all this like beautiful liquid on the floor and you're not letting me get to it because he couldn't see the glass on the floor. And it was this moment that I had that kind of connected back to the rest of my life. Um, And I feel like whatever you believe, be it God or the universe, sometimes there are these moments where you don't see the glass in your life and you're so frustrated that like, Mm -hmm. you're like, there's this thing that I should be able to have that I am not being able to have right now. And we don't know why. And it's frustrating. Um, And it's because God, or whatever you believe is like no there's something here that it will hurt you if that happens um for me i was graduating from college and i really all my friends were going to do the disney college program and i was like disney college program i'd be so good at this i am engaging i am little my voice is high this is perfect for me i'm gonna nail this so i go to this audition for the disney college program and it's me and my two friends and we drive all the way to orlando and we audition for this program and i think that i nail it And all my friends were like, what are you gonna do when you graduate? I'm like, I'm going to Disney World. Um, And my two friends heard back that they got into the program and I was waiting on my call, I was waiting on my call and I didn't get into the program. And I remember I was shocked and so like, I was like, what do you mean I'm not going to the Disney college program? Look at me, like I was made for this program. I was so angry. And at the same time, a month prior I had, as an option, I had gone to look at colleges in California to mm-hmm. see maybe I want to do a master's program. And so i drove driven around California. I didn't know what I was doing. My mom and I were just driving around. And I saw this uh, school on a hill, um, LMU. And I remember my friend from Thailand went there for college. And I was like, mom, we should go look at this school. So we pulled in and the English teacher happened to be there. And I happened to talk to him about my life. And I happened to apply to just one master's program in English, the one that I stopped at. And so I Back at home, I didn't get into the Disney College program, and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I was sobbing, just sobbing. I was devastated. I didn't want to move to New York with the rest of my friends. I wasn't going to Disney World. I didn't know what I was doing with my life. Yeah. And I got this call that I got into this master's program in English, and I was so, I was so <laughs> excited and so frazzled that I called my mom, and I was okay. sobbing and she turned to the person she was with, and she was like, I'm sorry, I have to go. I think my daughter was just in an accident, and I was like, no, I wasn't in an accident. I got into the program, so I think that I, I didn't see the glass in the Disney. I don't know what the glass was, if there would have been, but I didn't realize that there was this other thing. Like, I just had to be patient, because this amazing program where I would meet my husband and have my dream job in my dream city was just around a corner, and it was better for me than yeah. going to Orlando, so I think that that is what I would say is overcoming the struggle of realizing that the universe um, God has a better plan for you than you do and you just have to see what that is that was really hard for me to accept for a long time but when I started realizing that that would happen it's just like oh my gosh I am so glad that my plans didn't work out
0: yeah I think that's a good thing for you that it happened (laughs) Um, for me I think I'm gonna go probably through a similar experience maybe through college acceptances because I know not every college is going to accept me. And it's going to basically be my first no. Because when I applied to high schools, all the high schools I applied to all accepted me. Um, so far, all the colleges I've applied to have accepted me. And so I haven't really gotten that hard no. Or even the wait list yet. I haven't even gotten that. And so I think when I get my first no, we don't want you, it's going to be hard. But I have all these people around me telling me, like, if they don't want you, you don't want them.
1: Yeah, so, It's true.
0: Yeah, and I'd, you may
1: get accepted into every college. You never know. But yeah, another yeah. no would be, you know, will happen someday. And yeah. it's just knowing that
0: that's okay. Yeah. So I think we're going to wrap up our podcast now. Is there any last things you want to say? I don't know. I don't. I think. I think that covers
1: it. I, I'm really, I'm glad that you interviewed me. It was so much <laughs> fun to talk to you about my life and how I ended up where I am. I think I have been very lucky um, to have all the experiences that I've had. And I'm really glad that I've gotten to talk about them yeah. and share them with you.
0: And all our listeners.
1: Yeah, That's and awesome. all our
0: listeners. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening. Make sure you tune in every single Tuesday for a new episode. Thank <laughs> you.